Hi, I'm Kaylee Moore. And I'm Emma Samasco. Welcome to Freelance Writing Coach, your go-to podcast for building a freelance writing business. In each 20-minute episode, we'll do a deep dive into one area of business with the hope that our insights as successful freelance writers will educate and inspire you. This season of Freelance Writing Coach is sponsored by Kat Bogard, a fellow freelance writer who provides helpful advice and resources for creative freelancers. We both know Kat personally, and if you're struggling to pitch stories and land freelance writing clients, Kat's Pitch Pack takes the guesswork out of formatting those nerve-wracking emails. The pack includes eight pitch email scripts for a variety of scenarios, completed samples for each template, and some helpful tips to write pitches that get responses. For more about Kat and to purchase your own pitch pack, visit katbogard.com slash pitch pack. That's K-A-T-B-O-O-G-A-A-R-D slash pitch dash pack. Tell them Kaylee and Emma sent you. In today's episode, we're going to talk about portfolios and how important it is to put together a curated collection of your best work. We often hear from freelancers that they are struggling to put together a portfolio. Maybe they aren't allowed to share some of the work that they've done. Maybe they don't have a lot of clips. Maybe the clips aren't in the industry that they want to be writing for. So today we're going to address that and talk a little bit about curating a portfolio. So Kaylee, I'd love to start out the episode by asking you, how did you like add the first few pieces to your portfolio? Like when you had nothing, how did something arise? Yeah. So I think in the early days, it was really just kind of a smattering of the different writing work that I'd done. It wasn't really strategic or curated at all. It was just like, hey, here's some writing stuff I did. I hope you like it. (laughs) So not strategic at all, probably not very helpful in getting me hired. But I will say that as time went on, I started to get a little bit smarter about that curating that I touched on. So really tailoring the portfolio that I showed to potential clients. So it was very specific to the type of work that they did. So I didn't have like a one size fits all. Here's my portfolio is like, here's a few clips that are relevant to the type of work we're talking about. And then the few pieces that I did put on my website, which are not technically a formal portfolio at all, it's just kind of here's some samples, are the pieces that I'm really, really proud of. So they're related to the work that I do today. They're some of the bylines that I'm proud of. And I feel like they're the strongest examples of the type of writing work that I do really well. So I think that that's kind of what I learned along the way is that you can't just say like, here's what my writing looks like. It has to be very specific. It needs to speak to the individual client's needs and industry and type of work that they need help with. And it really needs to be like the very, very best of the best of the work that you've done. What do you think? Mm. Yeah, well, I think it's interesting, this idea of like, what is a portfolio? Because is it just a list of writing that you've done, like a list of samples, or is it formatted in such a way that someone can look through it or scroll through it and be like, oh, wow, look at all the, the, you know, the concepts that they put together. I think it depends on your industry and your offerings of how you do that. Like I think ad copywriters should definitely have a portfolio with everything designed, for example. Whereas I think for us, when we're writing a lot of long form content, that's maybe less important. Like a link is fine. One thing that 
occurred to me is kind of when is the time to share the portfolio? So you mentioned, oh, it's really relevant to the client. You have some on your website. So can you tell me like in part of your process, when does the portfolio even get shared? Like just talk me through that. Yeah. So I would say nine times out of 10, people don't really ask to see a portfolio at all just because so much of my work is referral based that we are sort of like pre-approved, pre-vetted. So the conversation Mm -hmm. is past the point where they're like, I need to see what your writing looks like. It's more, I've heard that you do great work. How, like, what are the next steps? So when they do ask to see samples, it's usually once we've gotten past, can you pay my rates? Like, do you fit all the parameters for qualifying if you're a good fit for me or, or not, basically? So if they've said, okay, everything lines up, this all looks good. Can you show us a few examples of similar type of work you've done before? That's when I'll go through and handpick a couple of samples that I've done in the recent past, usually within the past 12 months. So it's as current as possible. And I'll just send those over email. So again, it's not a formal portfolio. It's just kind of like, here are some examples. I would say it's a much more informal approach. Sure. But I think the point of it is that it's proof of your work, right? Right. Like that's how to think of the portfolio as proof of the work. And it sounds like maybe there's, there's some samples somebody could get their hands on on your website or they see you tweet something. So they know that you're, that you're out there writing. Right. I actually don't include samples until I send the proposal. So it's very similar to you. I don't even have samples on my website. I don't have any links to work that I've done, I don't think. And that doesn't affect the inquiries that I get. What happens is someone comes to me, we have a conversation. I tell them like, okay, look, the next step is I'm going to put together a proposal. The proposal is going to include how much the project is going to cost, what the project is going to be. And also I'll include a section of relevant samples so that you can you can see that. And I think I actually like really want to do more of like more social proof in the proposal where I include like a case study in the proposal or client testimonials in the proposal so that it's not just like, oh, here's some samples. It's also like, here's how happy the clients are with the work that they've done (laughs) with me. So I think it's not just like, it can be, here's just a few clips it can be like part of sort of a bigger process for me. It's like part of the proposal. So mine are also handpicked, but I have sections. So I have like case study examples, ebook examples, content from experts examples, which is like content basically based on interviews. So I, I pull those sections based on who the clients are because usually, I mean, the clients I work with often have a lot in common. I want to get to a question that I hear a lot, which is like, what do I do if I don't really have a portfolio? I don't have many samples or my samples aren't very good. What would you say to someone in that position? Yeah. When that question comes up, I always say, make examples, the type of work you want to do for the type of clients you want to work with. So for example, say you wanted to write email copy for your favorite ice cream brand in the whole world, Jenny's Ice Cream. And so you look at what they're currently doing and you're like, hmm, I could do this, but I also have some creative ideas on how I could do it even better. So what I would say is, okay, draft up a sample email that shows how you would write for Jenny's Ice Cream and and what you would do differently and put that as a mock sample, basically. So they didn't ask you to do it. They didn't hire you to do the work, but you're basically saying, here's what I can do for this type of client. And so it's kind of a creative workaround to, you know, I wasn't technically hired for this, but here's what it could look like. What about you? What do you suggest? Well, I suggest the same thing is that just make your own samples. So 
you know, let's say you want to write for a software company's blog and you take a look at their blog post and you just write an example blog and, and, and I wouldn't do it as spec work where you're writing it for the company that you're pitching. I would say more like, okay, here's a, you know, if once you identify the type of work you want to do, let's say you want to write blog posts for wellness entrepreneurs, like create three example blog posts for wellness entrepreneurs, like real ones. And then you have those as samples to share. I also think that like, it's fine to say like, okay, I have kind of a diverse portfolio right now because I'm just starting out or I've worked in lots of industries. Like I've hired plenty of subcontractors who uh, they didn't necessarily have experience doing what I what I was asking them to, but I could see from their samples that they could write, or I could even see from the email that they sent, they had a good command of the English language, right? So it's like not all about the portfolio. Yeah, I think a lot of writers really get hung up on needing to have a really perfect polished portfolio. But I will say the one thing I see a mistake, well, I think it's a mistake, is that they go for quantity over quality. So they'll just stuff everything they've ever written into their quote unquote unport portfolio and say like, here is everything. And that can be super overwhelming. And it's also not a great, you know, you're not curating the best examples. You're putting everything out there. And so you're, you're making the client or potential client pick through and try to find your best work rather than doing that legwork for them. So that would be my one thing. If you are hooked on developing a, a rather formal portfolio is make sure that it's limited and curated and is only your best work, not all of your work. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And if you want to include things from different industries or different types of copy, like sometimes you might have a client who's like, okay, I want to hire you to write ads. I want to hire you to write emails and I want to hire you to write blog content. You may have one to three samples in each of those things that you can share. And And I think one thing that I do sometimes is Sometimes I just send a link if it's really straightforward. Other times I send the link, but I give a little context. So I'm like, you know, company XYZ hired me to write the web copy for this. The web copy has changed somewhat since I work for them because whatever the reason, but, but the bones of the website and the headlines are still the same. So I try and offer a little bit of context for them, especially with a, with a bigger project and, and something that is like more strategic, like do, you know, writing somebody's whole website rather than, well, I don't want to say writing a blog article isn't strategic, but I think that like the blog, the link to the blog article kind of lives on. But sometimes you want to say like, oh, here's a blog article. And also it's like ranking number one for this particular keyword. And it has X links to it and X person shared it on social media or whatever, right? To say that like, yeah, obviously I can write, but there's like some other value that was provided by this post besides just, just the writing that I contributed. Yeah, I think that's super smart. That context is super helpful. So if you can put that out there with the sample, that makes it even more powerful. The other thing I think I wanted to touch on is that if you go to my website, you'll see that I kind of have three buckets of portfolios, I guess you could call them that. So I do a lot of different types of writing work. Some of it's journalistic slash like reporting. Some of it's like like a deep dive, evergreen post. Some of it's more kind of a blend of the two. Um, so I have three different buckets with writing samples for each of those types of writing that I do. And so again, that just kind of breaks things up so that it's easier for prospective clients to find things if they are looking for them. And so that's the other thing I would say, like, it's okay to have a couple 
versions of your portfolio if you do different types of work so that you're not just sending them to the catch-all portfolio. You're sending it to maybe the version that's specific to them. And again, like it can be as formal or informal as you want. Yeah. And you might have something on your website like you do where you have three different categories. You might say, I'm not going to have samples on my website, but I am going to have company logos and testimonials instead. I mean, I think the reason for the portfolio is for someone to understand if you can do the work. And so if, and this sort of goes back to like, well, what if you don't have a great portfolio? I think that there are some other ways that would let someone know that you could do the work too. So I think a portfolio is really important, but also it's like, it's not about racking up how many clips you can get. It's not the most important way that you're marketing your business. Right. I mean, I am, one, one question that occurs to me is the power of like certain names in portfolio. So if somebody sees that you've written for Forbes, Kaylee, or that I've written for Entrepreneur, like how powerful do you think that is? And do you think that is something that most freelancers should be chasing or that it's not super important? Like, what do you think about that? I think they're good as as far as quick validators for saying like, hey, I've been published here. That means I have, you know, some level of quality as designated by those types of publications. I don't think they're critical. I feel like they're just kind of good forms of social proof. I will say though that it depends thing, you know, as most things are. So I think that they're helpful as far as authority building, but I I don't know that it's going to make or break you getting hired. So, yeah, and it might actually it might actually like make you get hired for the wrong thing, which I've had the experience of. So, on my old website, I had like Inc, BuzzFeed, Entrepreneur like on my homepage, and I have been featured in all of those places. Like it wasn't that it was a lie. But the thing is is that like that isn't like I'm not a BuzzFeed lifestyle writer. Like I I wrote a BuzzFeed lifestyle post that maybe you remember about Boo the Pomeranian that, you know, went viral, so to speak. But, it, you know, clients would come to me and they would say like, how do I get featured in BuzzFeed? Mm-hmm. And I would be like, well, that isn't really what I do. Like that's right. not, or like, they're like, how do I get featured in Inc? How do I get featured in Entrepreneur? And while I may be able to help and offer some insights into that. I'm ultimately like not a PR person and I'm not a journalist who's, who has like a regular column for those places. So I found that when I redesigned my website, it was way better to say like, okay, my, the clients that I work for right on my homepage are the software companies that I most, that are close to like who I want to work with. And they're not as like big splashy names, but I find that it's actually like better qualifying, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. I think the other thing too that can be tricky with portfolios is the NDA issue, which we haven't really touched on yet. Let's talk about that. So uh, some clients, especially big corporate clients will require you to sign an NDA and say that you can't put the work that you're doing for them in any sort of public facing portfolio, which is a sticking point for some writers because they're like, oh man, this would be a great example that I could showcase, but I can't, I legally cannot do that. So I think what you touched on earlier about just including a logo of the brands that you work with is a nice workaround for that. So you're still getting the validation of, hey, this company hired me. And while you can't spotlight the specific work that you did for them, you can give some context on the project that you did together, the results it produced, 
some background on the company itself and and use that as a creative workaround to being able to show the actual final product. You agree? Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think that I've seen people do creative things in their portfolio where like they sort of describe the project. I used to have that on my website actually where like I would say like I wouldn't link out. For a long time I had a portfolio where it would say like web copy. And then I would have an example of a client that I did web copy for. And I would just sort of describe the project briefly. And and that worked well, I think. I think Liz Wellington has something like that on her website, or at least she used to, where she has, I think she has a section of her website and I'm looking at it now called client projects. And so she has like Uh, an example of brand messaging and copy work. And then she has an example of ad work. And then she has an example of blog work. And so she's kind of showcasing what she can do and talking about it without just necessarily saying, here's a link. And I think one thing that we should talk about too, although actually, let me get back to the NDA thing. I think that if you can get ahead of the NDA, that is good. So in my contract, I actually have a clause that says, you, you know, the client owns the work, but I have freedom to use it as a portfolio piece. Like that's actually in my contract. And every once in a while you have a client that's like, I don't know if we want to do that. Or they're like, I, uh, what does that mean? Can you explain that more? By and large clients agree to it, but it's one way that I sort of get around that. And when I do sign an NDA, I ask them like, is it okay for me to use this as a portfolio piece? And if they're sort of like, no, sometimes I can get them to say like, oh, well, you can use part of it. And let's talk about the part of it that you can use. So I don't think it's necessarily like if a client, you sign an NDA, it's it's game over. I think you should try and be creative about how you can ensure that you'll be able to share something as a portfolio piece. Some clients will say like, you can say that you offered creative direction, but not that you wrote the copy or something like that, just depending on where their, what their legal team is concerned about. Yeah, but this this sort of, Thinking about Liz's portfolio, I was curious about sort of like different formats and designs that you've seen and if there's anything that you think people should be thinking about or like creative portfolios that you've seen. It's funny because I think I'm the one that put that bullet point in the document that we're working from as we talk through all the things we wanted to touch on. And I'm sitting here thinking about a really good example that I've seen. And I just, I can't think of any because the issue is we're writers. We're not graphic designers. We're not you know, we work with words, not really images. So I, I feel like it's a, it's a little bit of a rub when it comes to making something that's really beautiful or, you know, like an artist's portfolio is totally different than what a writer's portfolio looks like. I will say that like clipping services are, are one way to kind of beautifully arrange clips. I know that there's a lot of different free portfolio, like clip services out there, which I know that I have for like, I can't, th- I know Contently is one of them. I think okay, they still yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like maybe Muckrack or something. Right, yeah. And so mm-hmm. there are options out there as far as like automatically generated based on if you put in links to the articles that you've written that can kind of generate a somewhat pre-populated portfolio with some design elements. But 
I think at the end of the day... Yeah, those aren't that great. Yeah, they're not that great. Because the problem is, is that it's just like, it's the issue of like everything you've ever written on the internet. Like I used to right. have intently portfolio that I would send to clients, but it was like everything I'd written on the internet. It like ultimately wasn't helpful. People got distracted by the BuzzFeed article that I mentioned earlier. I think curation is really important. One of the things I was going to say is like to think through, yeah, it might not be about designing something beautifully, but I do think it helps to think about form factor a little bit. And the sense that like one area where I include portfolio pieces is in my lookbook. So my lookbook is something that I send to clients when they email me about my, my services. And I basically say like, okay, you're interested, take a look at the lookbook. And the lookbook has some like starting rates. It has some, some pages that somebody could look through it. Like it has a page about my content strategy services. And then it has like like almost like just a screenshot of that work. And it looks, I, in my opinion, the lookbook like looks very professional and polished. So it's not a portfolio in the sense that somebody can like read that whole document, but I think it helps them like see me as a professional, right? And then they see sort of the industries that I'm working for via those screenshots and they're like, okay. And that's something that I'm happy to share with any freelance writers who, who want to see it as inspiration. Although I don't know how like, you know, amazing it is, but, but it might be a source of inspiration for some. Yeah. It's very beautiful. You should ask to see it. Anyone listening. It's, it's definitely a good thing to look at and say, okay, how can I, you know, create something similar or a unique version of this for myself? Cause that is a really strong way to, to present that. And it looks very professional and polished. And it depends somewhat on the copy that you're creating. Like it depends on what kind of freelance writing you're doing, because I feel like Having something really well-designed is really, really good if you're going to be writing ad copy, like almost like a billboard, right? Or if you're going to be doing web copy. Like when I write a website, the design like really brings that to life in a way that isn't true for a long form piece. I mean, the uh, design always brings it to life. I love to see my copy get designed. But when it's a website, it's like I actually am making a lot of decisions about how to wireframe and how to, what, you know, what should be a header. And like, I'm actually making a lot of design decisions, not from the sense of what the colors or font should be, but like, oh, this should be, this, this section should have three columns, right? And so that I think is like something where, I mean, you could just send them a link to the website though. So <laughs> I don't know. The answer is it depends. Yeah, of course. It's always, it depends. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Freelance Writing Coach Podcast. If you want more tips, tricks, and resources for building your business, visit FreelanceWritingCoachPodcast.com.